Well, thanks for indulging me in a little bit of an experiment. It's been a while since we've done one of the online polls. But some interesting ideas that come up there when we think about the word work. Uh, The Bible has some things to say about work, and this is going to be a fairly straightforward sermon. Um, There are some concepts that need to be communicated, uh, some of them specifically from uh, individual proverbs and then some more global principles that we want to communicate. Um, a lot of them don't need a lot, uh, much explanation. They kind of just need to be said. I think most of us probably know these concepts. Um, as with much in, in scripture, maybe we know these things, we just need to be reminded of them. Uh, so let's jump in, shall we? And uh, let's take a look at the first proverb from which we'll get our principle. The first proverb I want to go through is uh, Proverbs 11.1. It says, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. So in other words, this is about integrity. Don't cheat. Right, and that sounds very obvious. Uh, back in the day when this was written, a lot of things were done with a balance. And if you were a cheater, you could adjust the weight of those balances to make those transactions favor you. So don't start a pyramid scheme. Right? Don't cheat people. Don't sell them things they don't need. But sometimes that integrity factor can be a little more subtle. I remember years ago, it was, I was kind of new into the workforce, and I remember talking with someone who, oversee, who oversaw a number of employees, and he said, yeah, you can usually expect about six hours of work from an eight-hour shift. I'm like, really? Six hours of work in an eight-hour shift of like productive, actual, profitable work. I'm like, that blew my mind. And yet, as uh, Pastor Kevin is preaching down in Lacey, uh, preaching this sermon too, as we were looking online, uh, we found even one statistic that that suggested about three hours of actual productive work from an eight-hour shift. Now, I know people's jobs are different, um, but that blew my mind too. But you can see how it happens, right? A little break here, a little, uh, one of the things they said was, uh, that took employees' times was searching for other jobs <laughs> at your current job. You know, a little bit of this, reading some news stories, a couple of texts, a couple of phone calls, and all of a sudden, wow, yeah, those minutes start adding up. But integrity says you work. And I get there, there are different rules and policies in different workplaces, fine. But we want to enter the workplace with integrity. If we're paid to work, we're going to work. We need to be careful that all of our actions are above reproach. Kind of related is work ethic. In uh, Proverbs 6, 6 to 11, we read, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. Okay, so again, uh, don't be lazy. 
Work is good uh, for income, but also for character. Right? The ant works hard at the right times, and according to this passage, supervision. Maybe didn't understand about the queen, whatever. And they say, they say that you get what you inspect, not what you expect. Anybody ever heard that one before? You get what you inspect, not what you expect. But, but here, the ant's doing its job. And so this author of Proverbs is looking at nature saying, this is how it actually works in nature, so why don't we apply that to our lives? The question I think we need to ask ourselves is, do I work differently when someone's watching versus when I'm alone? Again, it's kind of related to that integrity issue and also a work ethic. Right? We don't want to be the sluggard, the one who loves sleep more than work. Now, we all need sleep, I get that, but maybe there's too much of a good thing. The sluggard can have life sneak up on them. Again, this is a proverb, so there are exceptions to this. Right, so it's not that everyone who finds themselves in poverty must be lazy. That's not what the proverb is saying at all. It's saying that that attribute, laziness, being a sluggard, is not a positive character trait. And it can sneak up on you in the form of, say, a pink slip and a bad reference. You know, what's interesting is that work has existed from all eternity. It's part of God's character. And if you look at the creation accounts in Genesis, work existed before sin entered the world. Right? Adam was put into the garden to tend the garden. Now, it would have been a lot easier prior to sin, for sure, but work still existed. It's a good, good thing. It's just more frustrating now because of sin. And again, I want to put a little caveat in here um, about work ethic as, as well, that it's not just about being busy for, for the sake of being busy. And what I mean by that is, if you're paid to do a job and you can do it in four hours and, instead of 40 and everyone's happy, good on you. It means you're efficient. That's great. Um, but you can use that other time to work at something else. Uh, here's another one, Proverbs 12:14. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. Work does come back to you. Uh, the work of a person's mouth affects their life. We saw that a few weeks ago when we were talking through speech. And so does the work of a person's hand. Now, it definitely makes sense real direct sense, 3,000 years ago in the agricultural environment in which this would have been written. I mean, you, you plant, you work the land, you take care of livestock, and you get to eat and maybe make a profit. Right? That's how it worked, super direct. But even in today's society, our work certainly comes back to us in terms of finances, pr- promotions, mastery of skills, reputation, joy, Like those are all things that can come back to us through work. Another one, Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. 
And I think this is one of those areas um, that is difficult because we want to be excellent. We'll get to We'll get to another concept later on that might seem to contradict this, but we do want to strive for excellence. Right? Good enough isn't usually good enough. And, and it's not about recognition, per se, even though that's kind of what the proverb might suggest on first read. It's about representing God well. So there's a quantitative aspect of work in terms of how much we should work, our work ethic, and not being lazy. And there's also a qualitative aspect of work in terms of how well we do it. And again, these are proverbs. So yes, there are going to be exceptions. If you are skilled in your work, you may not stand before the president of the company or the general or the president. But, but Paul reminds us in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord, as for the Lord and not for men. God is our boss. And we represent the one who has done everything excellent, Jesus Christ. If we are a Christian, that means little Christ. And that's what we're supposed to be doing wherever we are. We're supposed to be representing Christ well. And that means excellence. Uh, One last before we get into some of the, the more general ones. And this comes from a couple of different Proverbs. Proverbs 11.4, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And Proverbs 23.4-5, do not toil to acquire wealth, be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Okay, now some of us might, re- might read that first line of Proverbs 23.4, and say, wait, why am I working again? The Bible just told me, don't work, don't work to acquire wealth. What am I doing at a job then? Again, work is good for finances and for character. We want to work to provide. We want to work to provide now for ourselves, for our families. We want to work to provide for future generations. We want to work to not be a burden uh, to others. But we have to understand that we can't take it with us. Employment is not everything. And that's a really important concept. I was talking with someone, uh, I guess it was Friday. And uh, we were just talking about some different opportunities about, um, you know, in that, in that career field to make some more money. And he was like, yeah, I, I'm, not chasing, I'm not chasing the money like if I, if I have it, I spend it. If I have more, I'll just spend more and I don't make very good decisions with it. So like he kind of understood a little bit of this concept of you can't take it with you. You, know, you should be enjoying what you're doing. And, and yes, there's an element of finances in a lot of work. I get that. But if you're just doing it for the money, um, it will end up in foolishness because you can't take it with you. What truly matters 
is character. Right? The righteousness is going to save people, not money. And there are certainly other things that require work that don't involve a paycheck, which brings us to some of our other principles. And the first one, again, these are just kind of broad and general. Work is more than employment. When we say work, we probably tend to think of jobs, employment. But there's so much more. I'm looking out at some middle school students, for instance. You're working. You're a student. That's your job. No, you're not getting paid for it, but it's work to learn. Right? A lot of you are doing sports. That's work. You're learning things. You've got to learn plays. You've got you to work hard to contribute to the team. Maybe you're doing chores at home. I hope so. Right? That's work. Everyone is involved in work. So there's work and there's employment. That's a part of it. One of the, one of the most important things uh, that I wanted to communicate today is this second one. That your identity is different than your job. It is really tempting to mistake your identity or to wrap it up into your job and career. We're very career-focused. We, I, I think, and I'm part of this, I think we do a disservice to our kids. How many times did people ask you when you were a kid, what do you want to, what, be when you grow up? What they mean is, what job do you want to pursue? But what we say is, what do you want to be when I grow up? And imagine someone giving a better answer than we normally do. Imagine someone saying, well, I want to I be a godly man or woman. I want to be a, a great husband or wife. I want to be a great parent. I want to be humble. I want to be pursuing Christ. We'd be like... Church answer, yeah, but what do you want to be when you grow up? Right? I mean, isn't, isn't that what we do? So even in our language, we just emphasize this idea that your identity is tied to your career or your job. And it's, and it's easy to do that. Why? Well, there's a couple reasons, I think. One is that we get affirmed in our jobs, like regularly, it's called a paycheck, right? If you keep getting a paycheck, you're probably at least doing okay in your job. So you get that affirmation. Maybe you get promotions and that's affirming to you. Someone's saying, good job, you're doing well. How does that work with parenting? I mean, yeah, you, you can get some hints along the way for sure. But you've got to wait like 20, 30 years before you know if you're successful. I mean, to some degree. And so it's easy to focus on this, this thing in our life that we get affirmation from and that immediate feedback. But our employment's what we do. 
It's not who we are. The way that I think about it um, is, uh, is that if we're this liquid, right, what job we have, it might change our form a little bit, but it doesn't change the essence of who we are. So we can be in different external circumstances, but we're still the same person. We still have the same worth. Right? What scripture teaches us, what I try to communicate to people is that our worth is based on, on God creating us, God loving us, and Jesus dying for us. And which of those has any relation to what we do for a living? None of them. They don't change. And so, you know, on either end of the spectrum with our employment, if we're doing really great in our employment, I mean, that's wonderful, but it doesn't increase your value over someone else. And likewise, maybe if we lose our job, it can be crushing to people, especially if we have our identity wrapped up in it. But does that change our value, our worth? It doesn't. It might give us some lessons to learn, but it doesn't change our worth. Another thing that I think a lot of people have trouble with is the concept of rest. So work is good. It is. But so is rest. So as much as we might harp on, on work and work ethic, there is a balance. We have to remember that the context that Proverbs would have been read in, Hebrew culture, there would have been steeped in the idea of the Sabbath and rest. Even the, even the ant proverb Right, it makes bread in the summer and works in the harvest. It indicates seasons. And so there are seasons of work and seasons of rest. Today, it, it may or may not look like six days of work and one day of rest. But we have to, we have to understand that God knew what he was doing when he created us. And he created us with rest in mind. We don't do that well working all the time. We just don't. We're busy, maybe at that point, but probably not productive. Again, God knows us. He designed us. He knows how we work best. And this is a really hard one for a lot of people to figure out. I'm not there yet, but how do we incorporate rest into our lives? The last principle that I want to go through is that work is worship. Uh, The Westminster Catechism uh, tells us that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right? This, is, this is our role as people. This is what God created us for. Is to enjoy him forever. And to glorify, in the things, glorify him in the things that we do. And that includes work. 
Right? Colossians 3.23, we talked about that earlier. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as working for the Lord, not for men. So our whole lives ought to be worship, again, including work or employment. How many of us go through our day really thinking that, though? I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I mean, I work at a church, and it's hard for me to remember that I am working for God, not for you or not for me or not for the grace works. It's just difficult to understand that concept. But we need to. Because that's how we glorify him. I wanted to leave us with a few uh, different challenges. Uh, with Proverbs, uh, like, we, like we've said before, it's just, it lends itself so easily to application. Because Proverbs is, is just so relevant. And so let me leave you with a few of these. You can come up with your own, but this is, this is a start. Uh, one would be to evaluate your attitude towards work. Uh, we did it a little bit um, on screen there. Just, you know, what do you think of when you think of work? And there were some different answers. Uh, I saw a fun up there. I saw hard sweat. Um, there's just different images that come to mind. But what do we think of when we think of work? Do we think of it as a necessary evil? Or do we think of it as something good that has been made harder by sin? Another one would be to consider our work habits. Along the lines of integrity and and work ethic, are there things in the way that we do our job or work it doesn't have to be paid employment. Are there ways in which we do our work that is not above reproach? You might even consider asking someone that you work with or someone who observes you, hey, what would people, what would people think about Jesus if they watched me work? Another one would be reading through Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31. Uh, it's a beautiful proverb about uh, a noble woman. And there are so many things in this passage that, uh, that this noble woman is doing. Some of them involve money and some of them don't. But it just gives us a reminder that work is so much more than just employment. Another one would be planning a day of rest. I am a firm believer that nature abhors a vacuum. So if you don't plan for something, something else is going to try and fill that spot. So unless you plan rest, it's probably not going to happen naturally. And another one might be thinking of three ways to help you worship through work. Maybe that's something where you you put something on your desk to remind you. Or maybe you set your watch to pray every so often throughout the day to keep you focused on worshiping through your work. 
you know, make sure it's on your break time. But, but those, are just, those are just some ideas of some ways that we can apply what the Bible has to say about work. The truth is we're all here because of work. Jesus was the master of work. Every, everything he did was purposeful and effective. He worked hard, rested, and the culmination of all his, his work on the cross, and that's how we describe it. We describe it as his work on the cross. It's his life and his death and his resurrection that was all designed to invite us into a relationship with God, to overcome those barriers of sin that we have with him and to be invited into a relationship where we can glorify him and enjoy him forever.